Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. While it took me longer than I'd like, I have come to marvel and appreciate the gift of people and experiences landing in my life at just the right time. Through my friend, Terry Jackson, I recently crossed paths with my special guest today, who also grew up in my hometown in upstate New York. He's my youngest guest so far, not yet 30, though his wisdom rivals those who've been on this planet three times longer. His youth was marked by friction at home, dropping out of school, presses with the law, drug use, mental illness, living on the streets, and time in prison. Now a hip-hop artist, the only rapper I know personally, an entrepreneur with his own landscaping and painting company, he's made himself a new beginning, restarting with a blank canvas and eagerly painting a new masterpiece of his life. I am moved by his courage, soul, and heart, and grateful for his willingness to share his story. I'm honored to introduce Noah Fence. Noah, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. That was really? so nice. Yeah, it's a thrill for me, my friend. It's really, um, and really a shout out to Terry for our paths crossing in life, which I, uh, I know is a great sign of goodness. Yeah, t- Terry seems like a, a connector of people. Yeah, he is. He's got a big heart. Maybe not as big as yours, but he's got a big heart too. <laughs> So, Noah, I've heard people use the word transformation, and frankly, it's a bit of a buzz term at times, and often not the case. You have clearly undergone a spiritual journey and transformation with forgiving yourself and an essential part of your own growth. So, uh, please, I appreciate you taking listeners through what it was like to be you these uh, first 27 years on the earth. Yeah, so... um Start. I was born in Rochester, New York, and uh, my uh, my parents divorced when I was um, when I was young, when I was around two or three, and um, so I was going back and forth between them. I was uh, I grew up in the city of Rochester, and then um, <clears throat> my mother ended up moving to the suburbs, so I went to uh, school in Penfield, and um, I uh, I never really. Uh, fit in. I wasn't good at school. School was really frustrating to me. Um, I had trouble focusing. Um, homework, I never really understood why we were doing homework and my, uh, my brain just, it just didn't really, uh, I just wasn't good for school, honestly. And it really frustrated me. And there was, um, there was a lot of pressure. I felt a lot of pressure. And, um, but uh, I found basketball. Basketball was one of the first things I found that kind of uh, took some pressure off me. And uh, in basketball, I, uh, I was picked on a lot. I wasn't the absolute like, best on the team. And um, being picked on in, on the bat in the sports kind of transitioned into school. I, uh, I was picked on a bit in school. 
and that also added to the pressure. And uh, it wasn't like I was picked on, like, like I had a lot of friends, you know, but I was always the one that everyone was just dumping their baggage on kind of. And um, so it was really confusing to me. And um, eventually in the beginning of my junior year, um, I dropped out of school. Um, I was kicked out of my house. Um, when I was around 14, just before that, um, my mom, my parents discovered I was smoking and starting to experiment with, um, just like drinking and smoking and stuff. And, uh, my mom brought me to an outpatient. So I think I was around 14, 14 or 15 or so, something like that. And, uh, I started going to outpatient and, uh, at the time, I wasn't super into drugs at the time, but um, I was beginning at a young age and there's a lot of drinking and drugging in my family. So my mom got, she kind of got a little nervous and she, uh, she brought me into outpatient and I kind of feel like that, that made it seem like what I was, made me seem made it seem like what what I was doing I feel like I feel like I felt what I was doing was a lot worse than it actually was kind of if that makes sense yeah um because a lot of my other friends at school were doing what I was doing or worse than me and they were just um living normal lives and um so by the time I ended up getting kicked out though I um got into opiates um couple of friends at school introduced me to opiates and I um, started going to school on opiates and um, I was literally just a zombie in like sophomore year. Uh, I was just trying to numb, numb myself. And um, so I would pretty much be in summer school every year and um, I was really lost and I didn't, I didn't really know what, what it meant to really love yourself. And I mean, I guess a lot of kids don't, but I was just really confused. And, um, so junior year, I get kicked out of my house and, uh, my parents are pretty much, or my mom, it's my mom and my stepdad. Uh, my mom is like, well, you could either go to rehab or you, you have to go. And at the time I, uh, I chose to leave and um, so I spent spent about a year or so being homeless and uh, I decided to check into a rehab and um, during this time I was I began shooting up heroin and um, just really living like actually living on the streets um, there was actually one day I woke up inside of a park and I saw the kids from my school bus getting picked up and taken to school. And that was just like a huge moment of just, um, just, just, just a realization of where I was really at. And, um, so I went to rehab for a month and then the people at the rehab said, I, I have to go to a, uh, like a stay away rehab for like six months to a year. And 
that really frustrated me because I did what they said and I thought I only had to uh, go for a year or go for this month and come back. So then I go to this, uh, this other rehab called Turning Point. And I was there for about five months or so. And uh, I had an argument with one of the counselors. I used to get, I used to have really bad anger problems. I would, uh, like my, my room at my mom's house was just, there was punches in it, like holes in the walls. I was just, um, I had no control over my emotions and I just was always, um, I just, I played the victim a lot. I always felt like I was the victim. Um, and a lot of it, and it was mostly just somehow I was creating all of it. Now I realize that. And um, I was just really frustrated. And so I got kicked out of there and I came home. I was there for, I think, around five months. I think it was a total of six months I've been gone for this point, up until this point. And then I come home and my, my parents won't let me into the house because I got kicked out. So at this point, I was just, the frustration was just building and building. And I really was trying to do all I can. And throughout the, the time where I was homeless, I was just, um, and my mom wasn't letting me in. Uh, I, w- I really just felt like all I needed was like, like a a, like I just needed some time to like collect myself in like a place I can call home and my mom was just really confused um I think a lot of it did have to do with my stepdad because it's his house but um she was um going to Al-Anon meetings and um she was kind of under the impression that under any way that she was like helping me if I was making these decisions was enabling me and I think there's a fine line between that, between helping somebody and enabling them. And it's just, it, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a tough place to be in. And, um, but anyway, I, I get out of the rehab and I have nowhere to go again because I was kicked out, but I am like five or I think I'm six months clean at this point. But um, that didn't last long because I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have a healthy environment to come back into. So I had to stay at my old friend's house um, who was still in school, going to school. And I stayed with him for a little bit. And but his dad didn't want me to stay there for too long. So before I knew it, I was back out on the streets again. And then before I knew it, I had a felony a warrant for a felony arrest. Um, so when I was, when I was 18, I, uh, was hanging out with the, so all of this led up to this, um, this point. Um, so I'm trying to like pack as much as I can into a short amount of time. Uh, cause there's like a lot of things, but, um, so up at, so all this left into this, to this point, I was staying with a couple kids um, not, not the kids that your parents would want you hanging around, um, they're selling drugs, doing drugs and, um, just figuring out ways to make money and to just survive and get by. And one night there was a kid who, um, who stole from them 
and was um, being disrespectful to one of their girlfriends and they set him up and I was there and they pretty much set him up and told this kid to meet them somewhere and they beat him up really bad. And I was there and I saw it happen and I actually came up and was trying to stop it because it was getting so bad. And then, um, the kid ended up going to the hospital and he wrote a statement on all of us. And then there was a warrant out for my arrest. So then I go on the run from this for about seven months. And then I call my mom and I just tell her, okay, it's, I'm ready to go in. I turn myself in and um, I do six months. I get um, attempted assault in a second which is a nonviolent felony, but they really didn't have any type of evidence on me. I really didn't do anything, but I didn't have a, my mom wasn't supporting. I didn't have any financial support at the time. So I didn't have like a good lawyer and I kind of just wanted to get out as soon as I could. And I was just scared. I didn't know. I was, I was so scared because like, as I'm saying this, it sounds like I was just like this, bad kid who just didn't care about anyone. But really I was just like, I was always the good kid in the group. I was always the one who was just trying to make other people feel good and make people want people to like me and to like have adventures and stuff. But my environment, I was just, I just never put, put myself into the right environment. But honestly, looking back on it, it was the perfect environment because it bred me to be how I am now. But so, um, so I get out of jail. Um, I'm about 19 now, I think. And I start going to MCC trying to do the right thing. I'm, I'm doing a lot better, but then I, uh, I start smoking weed again and I start failing a couple probation tests. And at the same time, I'm starting to uh, experiment with uh, psychedelic substances like psilocybin, mushrooms, and LSD. And through those, I had an awakening. And I, um, I never, this is kind of where the beginning of the transformation begins. It was at a crazy point because I'm, I'm on felony probation and I'm starting to smoke weed and I'm starting to try these different substances, different than uh, opiates and all that. And I realized that all, everything I was experiencing was because of me. And I realized that I started to realize that I'm connected to my environment and I'm not separate from it. And I'm just starting to tap into like my intuition. And I'm just like, you know what? You are a good kid and you should just, I just made a decision to start doing only what I believe in, not based on what everyone is kind of, um, to do, to do what I believe in with the perception of like everything that I do is actually, I was running from myself before and then I realized that I'm actually creating it. So I guess the transformation to me was a complete 
not just a change in perception, not just a change in who I thought I was, but a complete, um, like I killed who I thought I was. Like it's, it's destroyed. It's not even, it doesn't even exist anymore though. So, um, so I pretty much at this point, I was like, I started waking up to some things, to my potential. And I went on the run from my probation and, um, for two and a half years, I just traveled the country and was surrounding myself with more spiritual types of people and um, going to see music. I started going to festivals all over the world. And, um, and pretty much was uh, just following my intuition, being free-spirited and uh, just really working on uh, my, my mind and the way that I, um, just like my subconscious beliefs about myself and the limiting beliefs I had about life and just everything. And um, so in that time, I started working on my relationships with my parents. Um, once I transformed the way that I viewed myself, the way that other people viewed me started to change. Like, um, I just know, I just, it was just really apparent that people didn't treat me the way that they used to. And I started to watch life reflect um, what I was realizing. And um, I, I just went through a complete kind of paradigm shift. And so I was still on the run while all this was happening. And I didn't have any type of like idea what I was going to do with my life. I didn't have any skills really. I mean, I always wrote music. I, I used, used to write a lot of short stories growing up. I love writing, but I didn't really have any skills or any career path or anything. Um, and eventually I had to deal with my warrant. So I came back to Rochester and I went to jail and I went to, uh, my, my judge sentenced me to go to prison. So I had to go to prison because I was on the run for so long and, um, I was on felony probation. So I go to prison in 2015 for a year. I was for one, I was one to four years and I got out, I got out at the earliest point you possibly can. And I, I owe that to just me staying in tune spiritually and continuing to take the path that I'm walking. And, um, <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I, uh, I got out of prison in 2016 and I uh, was released to my grandparents out in Naples, which is like a beautiful countryside kind of by uh, Lake Ontario or uh, Canandaigua Lake. And um, yeah, I kind of was just a brand new person at this point. Um, I, had a, I had no clothing. I had not one item to my name. And this was kind of where I began my musical pursuit. Um, I was writing a lot while I was in prison. I was meditating 30 minutes to an hour every day. Um, 
I was reading a lot of books on like uh, Paramahansa Yogananda and like Taoism and Buddhism. And I was just um, absorbing just tons of knowledge. And um, I came out, um, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, but I just felt so in touch with my, I just believed in um, my source, just like my higher self. I just believe that I just stayed connected to that. And if I continue to connect to these higher dimensional planes of love and just uh, energy in general and intelligence, then the universe and my life and the energy that I'm connected to is going to have my back and set things up for me that I couldn't set up for myself. So it's just kind of been a, um, I made my, my life intention to just evolve spiritually as much as I can and to continue to love myself and others and to just grow and everything else is just, just kind of happening. Like, I don't think that I'm, I'm not thinking of these ideas to make my music or to like make my landscaping business. And I'm not really thinking of anything. What I'm doing is I'm tuning into an energy and that energy is using me as like an instrument to do its thing. And um, so I'm just watching that kind of manifest and grow. And with that kind of approach, I just don't really ever, I don't know. I feel like um, suffering occurs, like my suffering, I'll speak from my perspective, my suffering ceases to exist when I learn the lesson. And my suffering manifests when I'm out of alignment with myself. And um, I just think that we have so much power and control over our life situations and the way that we feel and we give ourselves credit for. Um, Like growing up, I had ADHD, depression and anxiety, and it was really apparent and it was really bad. And um, I feel like they were kind of stepping stones to get me to where I am, but I don't really exhibit those kinds of energies or behaviors anymore like I'll get anxious or sad like if someone I know is going through something or like stuff like that but I found a way to I don't know just not really worry because I know I feel like I know who I am and I know it's not this body and I know it's not no offense it's not like Noah is just the the observer that I get to experience. Noah is just this being that I as the source and as the creator I'm getting to experience myself through. And I believe that we're all one being experiencing itself simultaneously through each other. And um, because of that, as I as I and anyone else who is connecting to themselves they're always going to be okay because everything is one and everything is just an 
an algorithm that is set up to teach us who we are. And once you get in alignment with that, then things just start unfolding and manifesting in ways that you couldn't have even thought of for yourself. <laughs> yeah. I'm hugging you virtually over the airwaves. So remarkable you are, Noah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so, so I mean, then I started um, making music with, um, I have a buddy, Alex Vine, who's an unbelievable guitar player and singer. And um, I didn't ever think of myself as like an actual musician or like artist. I was just like, I could write, you know, but this guy started, he's in Rochester. He would drive out to Naples about an hour drive every week to make music with me. He played acoustics. He would make acoustic guitar, hip hop music. That was just all about, all about this stuff. Just all about loving yourself, forgiving yourself, um, and just connecting to the source of everything. And, um, <clears throat> then this venue opened up. Then I moved to Rochester. This venue opens up and they're like, hey, if anyone wants to do... So actually, a few weeks before this happens, I wrote in my journal, I was like, okay, I'm going to start uh, a collective called 4C, which is the word 4C, but it stands for 4C, the, letter, the number four letter C, conscious conduits constantly connected. So I wrote, I'm going to start this collective of artists and visionaries and musicians and scientists i just wanted to get everybody who had like some piece of this consciousness and information to have a platform to share it together so i, I created 4c which is um it's a collective that i curate music and art events through in rochester and it's just like a group of kind of the people that i just like artists and people that i really resonate with to come together and share all of our individual resources to create, to co-create um, something bigger together. And then I was like, I'm going to, and then I'm, and I, I wrote, I'm going to start hosting music events or like music sh shows. And then I was like, I'm going to have an affordable car in two weeks and I'm going to start this band called Pine Needle Soul. And then within like three weeks or so, two to four weeks, all of it happened. Like, this venue started and they asked me and him to start hosting open mic events. And then I found a car. And at this point I'd never had a car in 2016. I did. I just got my license for the first time. I'd never had a car. Um, this was in 2017. And um, so it all just started coming together. And then through the, um, those open mics, a band formed and yeah, just, it's just kind of, um, all, it's just funny to think of like the point that it's all just evolving from just like, if you really just if think if anyone is in, is connecting to themselves and they have any passion, if you follow that one thing, like for me, it was just like writing. It was just me following my spiritual path, like, without writing, just like waking up, connecting and like just working on like habits and subconscious things that I do that aren't serving me and other people. And then I followed my, my writing and then it just like kept expanding. Like 
with with through writing music, I started. I found a band, and then with the band, I was booking all of our shows, working with like booking agents, and learning how to deal with professionals. And then I went from my band to like throwing indoor music and art festivals with like seven, eight bands, and then like live painters and like vendors and stuff. And then through that, I was like, okay, well, this isn't going to pay the bills, at least right now. Eventually, maybe, but it's not working. I don't want to be a starving artist. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to just start going door to door and start knocking on people's doors who I think need some, some lawn care. And then I start going knocking on their doors because of dealing with people with my music. I learned how to do just like present myself and then the business started and then my dad was working for this painting company that he didn't necessarily um, enjoy working for them. And I'm just like, Hey, actually I'll just, I'll just throw this up, throw painting on the flyer, see what we get. And now we're getting painting. Now there's, it's just kind of just all coming together and just, just laying a brick a day almost. And um, yeah, two years ago I released my first album and um, I'm getting ready to release my second. Here we are. I have never. I'm. I am more blown away by you than anyone else I've ever met. And <laughs> um, and yeah, and it's just like I'm not even trying to like prop you up. It's just a fact. And um, so moved by the purity and. You know, my heart is heavy for all the struggle and the times where, you know, people who who really loved you weren't able to show the love or do the things that would have maybe helped you. But to your maturity, to see that it all happened for a reason and to the wisdom that you have about that you have connected and identified your source. And, you know, the, when you, people read about the spiritual and the yoga and the meditation, you know, this is, you know, you're a guru through you know experiencing your life and so i'm just um i'm just so smiling and so proud and thrilled for you because the creative aspect you know your intention your ability to just start to put it out there which takes a lot of courage you're articulating it and then not shocking to me at all it's just manifesting right because you've you've really freed yourself and and you know her folks listening it's you know i don't know how many people have had anything close to the level of um i would say headwinds right that you've had and uh what doesn't kill you does make you stronger i'm just so i'm just so moved i'm so excited for you to like love every minute so i want you to love every minute but i also know that off in the future just you know even more amazingness awaits yes Definitely. And that's the key is just this, the moment, the moment is the future. If you can love the moment and feel as if what you want to happen has already happened. Maybe you won't get exactly what you want to happen, but you'll get something that emulates what you're feeling in this moment. And you'll just, it's always, um, you don't get what you want you get what you feel you know you get what yeah. you are yeah 
So um, I feel, feeling it before it happens is so important. Instead of like praying for things to happen for us, be grateful for what we already have and really mean it and really love yourself here. And then you'll get more and more of it because that's, once you do that, the universe, you have the universe's attention. You're like, oh, this person loves me. I'll give them more of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The self-love. It starts with the self-love, of course, and that you now have the universe's attention. I don't know how many people actually realize that that's the aspiration. Can I get the universe's attention? And then I'm, I'm there, there. You know, I'm just wondering, is there anything that you consider hard right now? That's funny because um, I was just talking to my buddy about this recently. He was saying, um, he posted a meme that said, if your, life just, if your life just got harder, it's okay. That means you just leveled up. And I, was, and I was talking to him about that. And I was like, I don't know, because I feel like things used to be really hard. They used to be almost impossible for me today, or they used to be, but now hard isn't the right word. Challenging, things are definitely challenging, but nothing is really hard. Um, I only really am doing what I love to do. Um, it's, it's a challenge to keep track of all my clients and to, um, and to like constantly be like, rethinking my business model and to stay um, open to new ideas, not be like so concrete on what I do believe and like just saying it's challenging to, it's somewhat challenging to like maintain and like make sure like all my dishes are clean all the time and like stuff like that, like little stuff like that, but it's not, nothing is really hard the thing is like difficult but it's not like it's not easy yeah i hear you i hear you on that in a very different way i i use that it's nothing has nothing to me seems hard and there are challenging things and we may not have the answer and i think what i'm feeling from you is this this attitude um and this inner strength to know that even if we don't know how it's going to end up, it is going to end up in a good way, you know, and that that's the way that is needing to happen. Even maybe if we didn't realize that at the outset. Definitely. It always, it always is. Uh, Noah, how would you, um, you know, when you think about the role of music and and clearly it's it's played different roles in your life, maybe talk, how has the role of music changed for you? And then how, how do you create music? I mean, I'm not, I mean, I played the violin, right? So nothing so cool as hip hop. And I don't, I'm just wondering what the creative process is for you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I played violin when I was a kid too, but it didn't work out too well. I I love, it's one of my favorite instruments. If you listen to a lot of my music has, I try to implement orchestras and strings into it. Wow. Um, but for me, music's role changed from being a, uh, I was strictly a consumer of music. And um, it really inspired me. And I, 
downloaded a lot from it and now I'm on the other side of creating it and um to me music uh the role the role the music plays for me the way I use music is to reach people with my message um when I was going through these spiritual awakenings when I was like kind of like on the run and traveling and going to seeing these musics going to see all this music there's this one band called uh, Papadocio they're my favorite band and they're they're all about this stuff and they've been about it for a long time <laughs> and they were every time I would hear them and listen to them or see them live they would just speak to me like exactly what I needed to hear like I was realizing a lot of things and um I felt kind of lonely. I felt like, is this even real? Like, is this like, and they were just like a, like an angel almost just like letting me know I was on the right path and reminding me of who I was. And, um, and I'm just trying to be that for somebody else. I want to, I want to just be that, that extra push that just sparks something in people's minds or in their brain. And my goal is if I could literally just reach one person, then I have not only done my job, but if I could reach one person, I could reach millions. And my goal is to just reach as many people as I can and um, just be a part of this shift in consciousness. There is zero doubt in my mind that you're well on your way, and um, and and I'm just I'm just I'm giggly about the opportunity for you. I mean, it's just you know more than deserved, and people like you are so needed on our planet. It's just uh, it's extraordinary. Uh, we could talk forever. Let me just switch gears in the spirit of our "Say It Skillfully" show, and I just want to reinforce as folks. No, you know, when we're in that deep and good relationship with ourselves and we can be who we really are, which Noah, you just are, um, that really is the, the number one ingredient for being able to say what you really think needs to be said in a way that you feel will be landing for people. Um, that said, we all struggle at times with conversations. So I'm wondering, Noah, do you have a, a conversation I might help you with? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this question. Um, it's honest. I think this might be a this is a good question for this. Um, so uh, I see a lot of old friends who um, on social media who are complaining about their their jobs and um, complaining about politics playing the victim and pretty much just, just buying into the illusion in my opinion. Um, and sometimes uh, I want, I try to try to tell, I pretty much try to tell them that um, I'm trying to find a way to show them that they can, Uh, trying to help them find a way to discover their true value 
Um, and sometimes when I, like the, the, they'll say things like not everyone, not everyone can be a business owner. Um, um, they're pretty much not like allowing themselves to be happy because of the state of the world. So to them, when I'm trying to explain where I'm coming from, they think I'm being unrealistic or I'm being ignorant to reality. Um, a lot of, I just get like a lot of like self-limiting and just justifying why they're so depressed, why they have to keep doing what they're doing, why, you know? Yeah. So I'm trying to find a way to show them that most important is loving yourself and getting in tune with yourself and not being a product of your environment, but producing it, you know? Yeah. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. Um, if it's not uh, apparent to you, um, I'll just say it, that I am a huge idealist. And so I see these things and I want to help. And I, so I feel, <laughs> I feel your interest in, um, because you can, because you've lived it, you know that it's possible. Um, so I love how you, how you want to be helpful to your friends. Um, I guess I'd say the first thing is just, you know, always starts within and being in a relationship with yourself, which may be a, um, a way, which may say, you know, look at it, we know it's not your job, right? And you, you don't want to feel like um, it's up to you, right? And so to, to normalize that, I think the good intention you have for people in and of itself is enough, Mm-hmm. Right, and so I don't have to open my mouth. I don't even have to say anything. You don't have to say anything, right? Just, now, yeah, yeah. You, and and so that's just an option for you. So don't. So just know that it's you know it's not your job. You don't have to, and you can just exhale and be like smiling and loving. And you know, I think the idea of acknowledging, hearing people say, you know, I God, I feel, I hear you, I hear the pain, um, and gosh, I'm really sad. You know, whatever it is, I'm. It's really sad, and for me to to hear that from you. And I feel, um, you know, I just, I just want to love you and know that I don't want you to be in that state. I guess, you know, my question would be, right. Um, how, um, how, how could I help? And see, and see just what they say and say, Oh, I'm, you know, and what I'm hearing is this and just, and just not judging. Well, okay. So, I understand there's so much we can't do. And so I just have one question. How much do you love yourself? Yeah. But it could be something that just that basic because you could be a mirror for someone. And, you know, I think just expressing your love that you just, you want them yeah. to be happy. Right. And that's all you need to do. And, you know, yes. just like you experienced at some point, all these signals from the universe. I oh, gosh, I, I can't tell you how in awe I am for you at such a young age to be able to deal with the, you know, somewhat of a rejection from the, your mom, from, you know, these things not lining up for you, but just knowing deep down, Noah, that you're goodness. And boy, that's of all the remarkable yeah. things you've done. That's so impressive. So. And now me and my mom are 
closer than anything. I mean, she gave me, I, I think sometimes my mom gave me tough love and it worked for me. And sometimes I try to, sometimes I could just be like, sometimes I, yeah, I just don't need to say what I actually think sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Join the club. Yeah. There's, there's ways to, yeah. And I, I, I kind of did, I, I did kind of say, do you love yourself? And then, I don't know, like people, yeah, people will come at, a lot of people are just projecting, like that's really all everyone's doing. And I'm trying to, I want to get people to realize that they have the control, they have the power inside of them. And I guess you can't really like explain that with words to somebody. That's why the wise man didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then, you know, you can always say, you know, just, I just want you to know that my intention for you is that you love yourself and that you feel like um, you can do what's right for you. The end, you know, and, and just that's that I'm just wishing that for you. And I'm here for you. If I can be helpful, right, that's it. And, and sometimes it takes a while because that's a, def- that, that the, the ideas they have, no other words they're saying are serving them in some way, right? It may be a defense mechanism. It may be a way to, you know, fear of failure. If I just say this and like, I don't want to own it really, right? <laughs> I mean, and so at some point, you know, individuals can make a conscious choice. They can have a realization that says, look, at, is this how I want to be? And that's not for any of us to make for someone else, but we can, you know, wish for them that I hope you feel like you can, you know, do what, whatever it is you want to do to feel fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. So as we wrap here, you know, I guess I would have you reflect um, on a few things. One is, you know, what do you, what would you say the biggest compliment someone could give you at this point would be? Um, I think you've already given me a couple of them. (laughs) in this conversation (laughs) but um biggest compliment somebody could give me um is that um authentic yeah done done and done um and then i'd ask you know you were very courageous and i appreciate you going back um to the beginning and uh share with listeners what was it like for you to share your journey it was great um it's always nice to talk about this stuff because um, when you over when you overcome stuff in your past, you don't really tend to want to. You don't really think about it that much because you're you transform. You're you're uh, motivated by your by your purpose, and you're motivated by what you can accomplish moving forward. And um, so it's really nice to just talk about it. It's, it's therapeutic and it just really reminds me exactly. Cause honestly, like I really don't even feel like, I feel like I just recalled a dream or like a movie I watched or something. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like I'm recalling a life I lived. So it's nice to just, just remember <laughs> everything and how I got to this point. And um, it's also, it reminds me like there's, when I actually explain it, I'm like, you know what? 
as I'm explaining it, like it sucked while I was going through it. It was terrible, but people have gone, are going through and have gone through so much worse stuff. Like it's not even close. Like what I went through, it's, it's terrible, but I have my mom, me and my dad are close now. And actually when I was, forgot to mention when I was kicked out of my house at age 17, my dad was homeless at the time too. And, um, he struggled with alcoholism and he's sober today and he's, we're best friends. Obviously he works, he's running my, the painting department. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, people are, people are going through so much worse. So it's, it's just, um, humbling. And, um, yeah, I'm just grateful, grateful for the opportunity to share. I hope I reach just one person and um for uh for um any parents and going through uh have, who have young ones going through something similar my advice would just be um not to blame and don't get mad when your kids being honest even if it's something to get that upsets you like encourage them to be honest with you and to be open and um, I always thought, like, instead of, like, taking privileges away, like, I don't know, if I, like, didn't go to school, my mom would make me stay in my room. And it's like, I mean, if, if, you're, if your kid is acting out, I mean, they probably need some exercise. And, like, maybe, like, the time out is going into your room and, like, meditating, like, learning how to meditate and just take deep breaths and always speak from a uh, I feel perspective I feel like this when this happens not like you can't do this kids need to know like why things are the way they are if they're just being told without a reason that's going to be frustrating uh, I, don't, I don't know if that helps but that's super helpful that is amazing top takeaway because I'm sure there are many people listening, uh, parents, uh, people that they care about, seeing them in a tough space and you've really given um, them some words to really be helpful. Uh, for listeners, I want to share Noah's Instagram, which is at Noah Fence and that's N-O-A-H-F-E-N-S-E, the number four and the letter C. Um, that's his Instagram on Facebook. It would be at Noah Fence Beers, B-E-E-R-S. Um, and I will share that when I post. Um, Noah, your perspective is just uh, extra- extraordinary. And I am in awe of the beauty in how you have forgiven yourself, freed yourself from the past while embracing all these life learnings and being so much better for it. And you are living proof that we can turn ourselves around. You are so inspirational, my friend. I, um, I thank you for joining the show, for sharing your story. Um, please, you know how to reach me. And if I can be of any help at all, I would be honored and grateful to do so. Likewise, if there's anything I can help you out with or if you have any creative ideas or anything, uh, I'm always willing and open to bouncing ideas and chatting with you. So thank you so much for bringing me on. 
Yeah, well, I appreciate you being part of the solution. When I'm in Rochester next, I will look you up um, and you take good care. Yeah, let me know next time you're in Rochester. We'll get some coffee or some food or something and catch up. That'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. Okay, folks, my thought for the week to close is from a Taoist parable. Who knows what is good and what is bad? And that's a wrap. I thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify Noah's voice. Reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is solvable. Communities are proving it. And it begins by understanding that we can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. The U.S. spends billions each year responding, but it's clear more resources alone aren't enough to solve this complex problem. Community Solutions is a nonprofit working alongside 105 U.S. communities, proving it is possible to make homelessness rare and brief, starting with veteran and chronic homelessness. These cities and counties are fundamentally changing their approach and have committed to get to zero homelessness using real-time, person-specific data to work and use their resources wisely. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org. See if your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name and need? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness can't be solved. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.